Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We have the power of Christ. So what we do is when those temptations come along, when the behavioral patterns of the old person are there staring us in the face, wanting to suck us in to living that way again, we say, no, the old man is crucified with Christ. I'm dead to these things. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 through 24, in a message titled, What Christ Taught Us. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He came to die for us to do something, to set us free from sin. God loves us, yes. He knows that sin destroys us, so he's determined to set us free from sin. But there are those today who I am hearing more often who would suggest that, you know, it's, it's okay to go on in sin. It doesn't matter because God loves you unconditionally, regardless of anything. And for them, that means just keep doing what you're doing and don't worry about it. I, I often hear people say, well, hey, look at Jesus. Well, let me just tell you a quick story. Um, a few months back, somebody came out, uh, a Christian came out and announced publicly that they were gay and they were embracing that, that, that lifestyle. That's who they were. And they know God loves them. And that's all that really matters. And Christianity has been wrong on this subject for a long time. And so now they're just proud to make the announcement. And with the announcement then came a lot of other Christians chiming in, affirming, amen, God bless you, God loves you, you're right, that's great, be yourself. All that really matters is that you know you, you fulfill who you are because that's, that's what God's love intends for you and all of this. And, and actually, um, as I was watching this unfold, a person, a friend of mine was, was chiming in with that kind of affirmation. And so I thought, okay, I gotta, I gotta interrupt this thing here. I gotta, I gotta throw in a, a word or two. So, so I did. So I said, okay, so wait a second. Now, are, are we saying that homosexuality is no longer sin? Is, is that what you're saying? And then the person and I had a conversation and uh, the conversation kind of went like this. Well, no, I, you know, I, I understand that kind of, but you know, I feel like God's called me to minister in that community. And, and I just wanted to affirm them and love them and let them know that God loves them. And, um, and after all, I'm just doing what Jesus did because Jesus just loved the sinners. Okay. Jesus loved the sinners. Yes, he did. And oftentimes we hear today, well, you know, Jesus, he hung out with the prostitutes and he hung out with the drunkards and he hung out with these people and he, he shunned the religious people. Well, what do we mean when we say Jesus hung out with them? Was he partying with them? Was he drinking and getting drunk? Was he uh, engaging in the lewd activities? Of course he wasn't. And it's, it's really to say that he hung out with them is is probably the wrong way to communicate it. Jesus certainly went to them and he certainly reached out to them and he certainly showed them that the love of God was greater than their sin, 
But Jesus's objective always was to bring them out of that. And in all of the cases that people often point to, they only tell part of the story. Yes, Jesus comes along. And yes, he immediately forgives the woman who's taken in adultery. But when it's all said and done, he says, go and sin no more. And he immediately uh, forgives the man who was uh, afflicted physically because of his sin. And he forgives him, he heals him. But at the end, what does he say? He says, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So we have to think properly about this. Jesus welcomes sinners, absolutely. He was gracious with sinners, absolutely. We are sinners. We need to be that way toward each other. But his objective, both then and now, is to bring people out of their sin, not to affirm them in their sin. So that's the mistake that is made. We have not so learned Christ. Christ did not come to teach us, stay in your sin, don't worry about it, it's all good, God loves you, that, that's not the message. God loves us. And as some have said, I don't know who originated this uh, little word, but it's right. He loves you so much that he will not let you stay the way you are. He loves you so much that he's absolutely committed to changing you for the better. He's going to do it. That's what he does. So we, we did not learn from Christ. This is what Paul's saying. You didn't learn from Christ that you could go on living in your sin. What did we learn from Christ? Well, he's going to tell us in a moment what we did learn from Christ. And we'll look at that when we come to verse 22. But let me just take a little bit of a diversion here. Um, the terms that Paul uses, learned Christ, heard him, been taught by him. These are important things to consider. John Stott said, these are remarkable expressions. They evoke the image of a school. They evoke the image of a school. Now, Jesus was recognized as a rabbi in his day. A disciple is a person who followed a teacher. In the Jewish case, it would have been a rabbi. So they followed the rabbi. They followed the teaching of the rabbi. They followed the example of the rabbi. In the Greek culture, it would have been a philosopher. But the whole point is, you were a disciple of a person, so you could learn from them, you could imitate them, you could take on board their understanding of, of life and so forth. So as Christians, Jesus is our rabbi, so to speak. He's our teacher. He's the one who is instructing us but the interesting thing is that he is the essence of what we are being taught as well. He is the substance of Christian teaching. Paul did not link Christian belief and behavior to a creed or a code. And this is important to understand. He linked them to Christ. He did not link them to a precept or a principle, but he linked them to a person. You see, here's what's happened and here's what occasionally happens still in the church. The person of Jesus gets put in the background and principles and precepts get put in the foreground. So you end up, that, that's how this thing turns into a religion. 
we often say, and rightfully so, if we know our Bibles, we're not about religion. We're about a relationship. But the minute you lose sight of Jesus, you suddenly drift into the realm of religion. And it starts to become about um, these precepts and principles. It starts to become about you know, a list of things tacked up on the wall that you look at and that you say, you know, this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to aspire to be. That's not Christianity. That's religion. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus, cultivating the relationship with the person that then results in those principles and those truths being worked out in our lives because He's our teacher. He's the substance of what is being taught. And he's actually the the atmosphere and environment that it all transpires in. So we've got to keep that as the, the focus. We've got to keep Christ as the focus. The truth, Paul goes on here and he says, notice, he says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Know this today, the truth in Jesus is the greatest thing a person can ever study or learn. You know, sometimes we feel, I think, as Christians, sometimes we feel embarrassed. Sometimes we feel inferior because after all, you know, we just know about Jesus. We don't know necessarily about all of these other things. But to know the truth in Jesus is to know infinitely more than the wisest man who rejects him. Never be ashamed. Never be embarrassed that you only know Jesus. (laughs) Only know Jesus. He's he's all there is to know in the end. Because all this other stuff is going to vanish. He's the creator. And so whether it's psychology or sociology or history or physics or, you know, all the things that people, well, this is the important stuff and we've got to know all of this. And I'm not putting down knowing that, but all of that really pales in comparison to knowing Christ. Paul certainly understood that to be the case. All the things that he knew, he said that he counted those things as worthless in comparison to the unsurpassable excellence of knowing Christ. And that is certainly the attitude that we should have as well. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, one of the reasons why it needs no special education to be a Christian is that Christianity is an education in itself. And it's so true. It's so true. Christians are often portrayed in society as being dummies. You know, people who check their brain at the door. But you know, some of the most brilliant people in the world today are believers. Christianity is an education in itself, and it gives you the the best education possible in comparison to all other things. Think about it. It's an education on the origin of life. If you don't know where you came from, it's going to be hard to figure out anything else. (laughs) If you can't start at the right point, How are you ever going to end at the right point? Right? But it's an education on the origin of life, on the meaning of life. Where do you go today to find an education on the meaning of life? You go to a university today and you've got 20 different professors that have 20 different opinions about what the meaning of life is. It's an education on the meaning of life. It's an education on the living of life. This is the big question, really, isn't it? For anybody who's really thinking, the big question is, how do I live life? 
Well, this is what you learn from Christ. You learn how to live life. You also get an education on the end of life. You get an education on the end of life, that there is death, that it's a reality. How do I make preparation for it? But then you even get an education on the life to come. Wow. Where are you going to get that in a university today? All you're going to get today from the humanistic mind, all you're going to get today is coming out of the futility that is there within the mind without revelation. And the best you're going to get is uncertainty about all of these things. Disagreement. But you get complete, consistent, harmonious truth when you get these things from Christ. So you've got the best teacher and we're studying the most important subjects and he's even living in us to help us fulfill the things that we are taught to do. So now, finally, coming to our last point here, just exactly what did Christ teach us? And we're looking at it here strictly in the context of what Paul is dealing with. Christ taught us many things, but here what Paul is referring to has to do with no longer living like the rest of the Gentiles, but living this new life. What did he teach us? Verse 22, he taught that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. So what, what Paul is really talking to us about here is Christ teaching us how to live. How do we live? Years ago, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called How Should We Then Live? It was turned into a documentary film series. And, uh, but you know, looking, at, looking at the world, looking at the culture, and asking the question, how should we then live in light of these things? Well, how do we live? That's, a, that's a, an extremely important question. Jesus taught us we are to live by putting off the old man or the old self. Putting off the old self. The old self is a reference to who we are by nature. And so I am called to put this off. How do I do that? Well, this is where the Romans 6 passage comes into play. This is where it overlaps. Because there in Romans 6, what we were told is that our old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be put out of business. Put out of business. Rendered inoperative. Our old man was crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be put out of business that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. Therefore, reckon. Word reckon means consider. Therefore, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. So, that's exactly what Paul is talking about here in his word, put off the old man. You see, sinful desires, temptations, those things will still come our way, but there's something radically different for the Christian. There's something radically different for you who have put your faith in Jesus, where before those things had dominion over you because you had no power within you to resist them necessarily. I mean, you had your willpower, but there's a certain point where 
uh, even a man's willpower can break down. But now we have something beyond that. We have the power of Christ. So what we do is when those desires surface, when those temptations come along, when, when the, the behavioral patterns of the old person are there staring us in the face, wanting to suck us in to living that way again, we say no. The old man is crucified with Christ. I'm dead to these things. And Jesus, who's teaching us, who's indwelling us, gives us the power then to do that very thing. We put those things off by refusing to give in to them. That's what he's talking about here. Putting off the old man. But then he says in the positive putting on the new man. But before that, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You see, the futility of the mind that he began talking about, that leads to reckless, sinful living. But Paul is talking here about a renewing of the mind. He's talking about a reprogramming, if you will. And what's he referring to here? He's referring, I think, primarily to the influence of God's word upon us. This is what the word of God does. It renews our mind. And the amazing thing about God's word is it is simultaneously cleansing us from the, 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 um, the incorrect information that's been you know, downloaded onto us throughout our lives. It's simultaneously uninstalling that while it's installing new information. You know, it's like a computer. As we are uh, subjecting ourselves to the word of God, as we are being taught by Christ, and as we are being taught of Christ, it's going in and it's, it's uh, deleting, getting rid of all of that stuff that's been put in there for so long, and it's putting in all this new information. And so then we can do what he says, put on the new man. We can put on the new man. We've got a new man to put on. How do we do it? Well, it's simple. You say no to the old and yes to the new. You can do that because of Christ, because Christ is in you. You can do that. You can look at those old things and say, no. Just like when I go into my closet, I have a bunch of clothes in there that I will never wear. I look at them and I say, no, <laughs> I will not put on that old jacket. Sometimes Cheryl will say, why don't you wear that? No, I'm not wearing that ever again. Let's get it to goodwill as quick as we can. No, I'm going to put on the new stuff. But that's what we do with sin. We just, you know, and I know it's, it's sounding way too simple, but listen, God hasn't made it complicated. He's empowering us to do this. We say no. And here's the secret. The more you say no to sin and yes to God, you begin to develop a, a habit, a pattern. And it becomes easier and easier to say no to sin because you're saying yes to God. So when you're saying no to sin, you are saying yes to God. So you just keep saying, yes, God, yes, God. And that becomes the pattern. You know, people sometimes make the mistake of thinking, well, you know, 
I gotta, I'm, I'm waiting to, to feel like, you know, I, I'm waiting to, to feel like doing the right thing or, or I'm waiting till the feelings of doing the bad things go away. Don't wait for that. The Bible speaks of the evil desire. It can resurface any time. Don't wait for the, for the desire to change. Beha- change the behavior and the desire will change with the behavior change. You know, even in the, the scientific realm, what they've discovered is that behavior changes brain chemistry. You behave a certain way, it produces certain patterns in your brain, it pr- produces certain chemistry, and the more you behave that way, then you just get like in a track where you, where you just do this. It's like a groove that gets carved in there. But you change your behavior And they've discovered that with the change of behavior comes the change of chemistry as well. And physically, that's just a picture of the same thing that we're talking about here. God says, live this way. This is how you're to do it. Put off the old, put on the new, and don't worry about the desire, the feelings, or those things. Just do it, and in time, you'll find that those other things will change themselves. That's the beauty of it. But don't get caught in the trap of thinking, well, you know, I can't change the behavior until the, you know, the feelings go away or until the desire changes. No. Change the behavior. God gives us the power to change the behavior. The greatest illustration of that is Jesus to the man with the withered hand. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. The whole problem with the man is he can't stretch out his hand. But Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And because Jesus said to do it, he could do it. So the Lord says to us, stop doing that. Well, Lord, that's my problem. I can't stop doing it. Well, I'm telling you to stop so you can stop because I'm going to give you the power to do it. But it's saying yes to Jesus and simultaneously saying no to that thing. So putting off the old, putting on the new, we're going to come back and look in more depth at the new man next time. But let me close with this. The old man is corrupt and beyond repair. See, this is the difference between Christianity and humanism. This is the difference between biblical Christianity and all other philosophies and religious systems. Everybody else thinks that there's some goodness still, you know, deeply resident in the soul of man that just needs to be cultivated and developed and brought out somehow. You know, we've got tons of empirical evidence that that just isn't true, but we still refuse to believe it. The fact of the matter is, the old man is corrupt and beyond repair. So God doesn't go about repairing the old man. What he does is he gives us a whole new thing. And that's what Paul says here, that you are to put on the new man, which was created according to God. God has recreated you. That's what's happened. Remember in the beginning, God created man in his image and in his likeness. We still, to some degree, bear the image and likeness of God, but it's marred. Adam had that original likeness and image. Now, through Christ, that likeness and image is restored. We have been recreated according to God in righteousness and true holiness. So put off the old and put on the new because you if you are believing in Christ you are a new creation 
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. Baptism, the gifts of the Spirit, women in ministry, the rapture, and creation. These are only a handful of doctrines that have caused division throughout the history of the church, and they continue to divide today. But the unity of the church is essential for the mission of the church. So in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides practical wisdom that can be personally applied when faced with doctrines that have divided. He exhorts all Christians to be honest, tactful, and gracious, because humility is the way to unity. If you want to be equipped to be doctrinally balanced, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.